The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IONS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Our return guest today, Ken Root, continues last Monday's interview with an explanation as to why his motto is, the best prizes in life are just beyond what you fear the most. Now retired and in his 60s, he recalled uh, a traumatic out-of-body dream from his distant past that warned him of the planetary upheavals we are seeing now with global warming and COVID-19. Ken has come to share his NDE slash STE experiences, as well as a message of hope for a brighter future on the other side of this virus. The remarkable developer of a handy app for this show, Ken Root, can be reached by searching Google Play or the iOS app store for IONS NDE Radio and clicking the support link. Ken, welcome back to NDE Radio. Thanks. It's great to be here. These well, are it's, unusual times, so it's great, great to for have everyone you. to step up. Yes, it's, well, it's great to have you back. And uh, last Monday, we talked about uh, two accidents, one you were uh, intimately involved in, the other you were witness to, that uh, that were designed to teach you a lesson. And I, I'm wondering how quickly you took that lesson to heart and what you think that lesson is. Boy, I'm drawing a blank because it's like, I don't really know what the lesson would be on those first two experiences. I, I would I would express it more as an opening for more openings. I would say like my first NDE was kind of like, uh, we all have boundaries, borders. We, we protect ourselves, right? We, we put up defenses, you know, energetically, physically. That first NDE was kind of taking all that and dropping it on a concrete floor, mm. you know, just shattering it. The, the second one was kind of doing it again. And I think a lot of the experiences that have happened after that are kind of like, I don't know, once, once you kind of break the mold, I think it gets easier to kind of peek through. I think that was more of a, um, a setup for future learnings rather than the teaching in itself. Because okay. life is the university. It's like since those experiences, we could spend so much more than an entire uh, show here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess what we could do is yeah. is just go on to see if if this was an opening Tell us about some of the experiences that you've encountered as a result of this. For instance, there was that one incident you mentioned when you were on a uh, motorcycle trip yourself going out west and two folks on LSD came along (laughs) while you were camped out. (laughs) There are so many stories like that. I could go on for hours. Yeah, this was one I shared uh, with Lee on email is uh, I was traveling coast to coast on my motorcycle. I was in a hurry to get from California back to upstate New York. I, I was, you know, going very long distances for long hours. I was really tired. And I uh, went to a rest area late at night, pulled in the back, tried to get some sleep. And I was woken to a blood-curdling scream while wearing my helmet on. So I couldn't see what was going on at my feet. And, you know, I'm trying to move through it quickly without a lot of detail, but my body jumped into action. 
right? It just started doing its own martial arts thing without me. I ended up just watching my body react and protect me. Uh, you know, I can go into a lot of details of the story, but the gist of it is after it was all over and, you know, these people ran off screaming to go <laughs> take care of whatever business they were doing on their acid trip, I was sitting there in the dark alone, glowing like a light bulb, going, what is this light? This is really different, right? Like, I never experienced that divinity like that, just pouring through me. And it struck me immediately, the realization that when the scream first started and I was still lying flat on my back, I could see two astral bodies at my feet before my physical eyes could get there. It was almost like I sat up with my astral body before my physical body and could see where they were. Things like this made no sense to me. But maybe, maybe some other stories that I didn't share with you would be even you know, quick and easy. Great. I went to, you know, I raced motorcycles a lot. And I could tell you dozens of stories where I almost died and knew not to. But one, one of the best ones was going around a gravel pit with a good friend. He had the exact same motorcycle size-wise, but it was a different manufacturer. So it was kind of a personal grudge match. And we'd been going laps around this gravel pit for an hour probably. I mean, nonstop. My arms were cramping. We were like just neither one of us were going to let it up and let down. And it was neck and neck constantly. And out of the blue, I heard this voice say, stop. It was like the same voice. I, I, I using the voice, the, the word voice loosely. I was told stop, and it was loud, and it was inside. And so I let go of the throttle, and I literally just rolled off to the side of the the, the track. Mm. Within seconds, literally within seconds, my friend came running out of the next turn, runs up to me, grabs my shirt by the collar, pulls my face into his, and says, "How did you know?" screaming at me. And I went, what? What are you talking about? Somebody didn't understand that the track went clockwise, went the wrong way. He went into a pileup. He literally catapulted over the wrecks, did a somersault, and came running out to warn me. Wow. Things like that became pretty normal. I don't know. I just assumed other people do that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think we all do. We just may not pay attention. Right. Well, I think you're right. I, I absolutely do. I I I, um, I tell people who have who are so enamored of the NDE experience that everyone, I believe, has at least one mystical experience in their life. And I've quizzed people on that. I've, people said, "No, nothing like that's ever happened to me." Until we go through their history, and then something will occur to them that they had not thought about before. Now, now you uh, you mentioned to me one uh, prophetic dream, which is yeah. really amazing. Have you had more than one? That was really the only one, and it was so real and so traumatic. It knocked me off the spiritual path, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. I, I spent the next 30 or 40 years just focusing on career and trying to shut this down and run away from it, literally. I mean, you know, that, that's part of my motto of facing these things, because that's the hero's journey, is looking at these things as what they really are is a blessing. You know, it's so easy to see it as trauma. So, this dream was literally 
you know, I thought I was all done with this stuff. I'm trying to focus on it. It was kind of like a parting shot from the divine because I said no. <laughs> so it was a parting gift until I could come back. Uh-huh. Um, I was dead asleep and heard what I can describe only as the, the Jewish shofar on the Sabbath, the, the ram's horn blowing. I could hear deep in sleep, you know, this tooting. And I'm like, what? I'm asleep. I know I'm asleep. Where is this coming from? I need to check this out. And just with that thought, I am suddenly in the clouds, like 30,000 feet, like where the jets travel. I think I was off the coast of the West Coast, probably somewhere in the Northwest. And in front of me is this bearded dude in a cloud sticking out of the cloud from the waist up. <laughs> and I say bearded dude because there was no introduction. I mean, everybody can, you know, pick whatever ascended master or whoever you want to interpret it to be. But, you know, there is this dude waist up, sticking out of a cloud, sunbeams coming from behind him and around him. And all around me, it looked like a locust storm of souls. You know, you see on TV a locust storm of these, like, millions of locusts and, you know, kids trying to play in that. Um, <clears throat> imagine all the locusts going transparent but still being there, just the wings. Mm. That's what it looked like. I was surrounded by millions of souls, and I sensed that they were as confused as I was of how we got here. But we all knew we're here for the show, and it's about to start. And he the bearded dude, takes a big inhale and lets out ohm. And, you know, we've all heard ohm in different forms. But this was an ohm that I've never experienced because it was infinite. You know, you, you can do multi-track recordings with harmonies and all that. This was like infinite layers of ohm, of voice. I don't know how to describe it, but it was, it was eternal. So with the first ohm, he did three chants. The first one, I watched the West Coast split. And, and it looked like, you know, starting from the Mexican border all the way up to Washington, I watched the ground split. Just crack in a linear line all the way up to the north. The second ohm summoned magma, lava, from the center of the earth. And while I was sitting up in the clouds, my mind's eye, my camera view, just shot into the magma. I literally rode the magma up the crack with it. And then when it came out, I was back to my original point of view. The third ohm was the lava went up in the air, hit its apogee, and started to rain down in destruction. And on that third ohm, I woke up like somebody set off a M80 next to me. I like exploded out of bed, found myself covered in sweat, um, didn't know what happened, I had been uh, studying Robert Monroe's hemisync tapes and immediately packed those up and put them in the attic. <laughs> <laughs> it, it so terrified me. I, 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 I always remained curious, but I never tried to do an out-of-body out again after that. It, it was that terrifying. I, I didn't know what it meant, right? So mm. now, you know, kind of in the second NDE, we're... My guide told me that we'd talk again or meet again later. Yes. Um, this is that later. I, I absolutely believe it in my bones. A couple of years ago, I went through a very painful dark night of the soul. 
everything went wrong. I had physical health issues. I was having optical migraines that would blind me. I broke my wrist in four places. <laughs> everything just absolutely went to and cratered. But what happens in a lot of these experiences is you let go of ego. You learn to slow down. You know, when you've got one hand, you have to take things at a slower pace because you have a new reality. And I think that's a lot of what we're going through now is we just got blindsided with this virus in a big way. The, the, the planet as we know it is different. It'll come back. You know, we'll, we'll get through this. But, you know, this is our new reality. And what you're seeing now is kind of the five stages of grief playing out around the world is denial, you know, getting through to the point of acceptance. You know, we go through these stages. This is kind of a natural process that we're all going through right now. And I really see this event that we're all going through collectively as an awakening. It's very much like what I went through. Now, you... You ran away from the first two accidents <laughs> that we talked about last week. Mm -hmm. And this one was so intimidating, a dream, that you decided not to pursue the Monroe Institute's guide to how to do it again. Um, what, uh, what transpired in the meantime? Uh, how do you feel like you've uh, matured? For, it's, it sounds to me like simply because you're on the show that you've come to accept these things and and are now learning from them in a way that you hadn't been able to do before. So what's, what's happened in your life that uh, made this come about? Learning surrender. Learning that surrender is not a weakness. The universe has been around for 13 billion years. You know, we, we tend to think as humans that somehow we have all this power and influence. And you think about the immensity of the universe and how insignificant we are. And how we delude ourselves into thinking how powerful we are, you know. And so when, you know, I, I always think like, could you like, you know, affect a dust storm on Mars, right? I mean, we, we are very limited in what we can do. What we control is within, not without. And I think that's what this is really about is understanding to go with the flow, to not fight the river, that when you live in the moment, in the present, how life becomes really easy and flows. It's not something I can teach. It's something that is experienced by facing your fears and moving through it. Hmm. The uh, event you dreamed, though, would be a hard one to just walk through unless you take in the spiritual side of the component and say, well, we, we all... Uh, outlive our bodies. We all will all outlive even the existence of the Earth. But that's uh, that was a a very scary dream that you had there. Um, what do you think about it now? Well, where it started becoming real rather than just a scary dream is when we started having the fires last summer, and I started to think about the fact that time changes depending on your point of view. We should say that you are you live in Oregon. The fires you're talking about are the West Coast mm -hmm. fires. The West Coast fires. And yeah. what was happening was the fires moved. They started in Southern California and eventually started moving up into, you know, the Northwest and Oregon and Washington. 
And if you were like looking at it in geological time, it would probably look like an explosion going from south to north. And I started to wonder if that earth splitting might have been symbolic of the fires and the way they move from south to north. And in many ways, that's like the herald of the shofar blowing. It's a warning of things that are coming. We've had lots of warnings, right? Well, I'm jumping around a little bit, but... You know, I I was watching on the news this morning a piece where in Mexico, people are getting off the planes and going, isn't this wonderful? It's just totally normal now. Everybody's out in the street. Isn't this great? This was recorded yesterday, right? So it's very easy for us to kind of reject and deny our experiences and what's happening. It's really important to face them and accept reality that sometimes... We can't control those external events. And what's really important in these times that I think, you know, in the interest of time, I'll get right to the punchline, is how important it is for community that we need to support each other during these times. You know, Lee and I talked on the phone about how in foreign countries, when you go and visit like third world countries where people don't have a lot of resources and money, They understand community and the importance of networking and supporting each other and working together as a matter of survival. And I think a lot of what we've seen in this country and throughout um, Western civilization in general is a hollowing out of that pyramid that supports us all. And this is a reboot we're going through with the virus. You're now seeing all sorts of people talking about how important the garbage man is. Or the guy that, you know, delivers your Amazon boxes. Nobody was really thinking about the infrastructure before all this happened. This is a huge equalizer. Everybody, rich or small, powerful, whatever, we're all humans. We're all in this together. And, you know, what I see, the beauty of what's emerging from this crisis is, you know, so here in Portland, some of the neighborhoods will have, like, on their corners, little, uh, almost like an altar to share books, right? They're replacing those with canned foods. You know, people are starting to do that to support each other and care for each other. That's what is required for what's happening now. You know, we have to be aware of the risks, face them, and look beyond that to what's going to emerge on the other side. We will develop antibodies to this. You know, it's a new virus. The reason it's as urgent as it is is the human species hasn't been exposed to this. We will develop natural immunity and we'll get through this. The great opportunity, and, you know, what I really want to try and get out to listeners is how important it is to love each other, to help each other get through this, to call people, to not feel isolated. There's going to be a wonderful emergence on the other side, and the growth is going to be amazing. But we have to get through this, and we have to get on our game face. So I think what you're saying, in a way, is that this whole coronavirus epidemic that's spreading across the world is like a prophetic dream, a mystical lesson, as well as a, a you know a tragedy, a human tragedy, body-wise, but something akin to your the dream you had. As a, as a lesson to change our behavior, as a lesson that we should, that we should not forget. 
but yep. uh, in, incorporate into our future life. After we develop our antibodies, we've got to develop our um, our spiritual side. And, and Because the next thing that's coming up is uh, the environmental crisis, if nothing this has preceded. This is kind of a herald of the, the environmental crisis. It you is. Know, many of these are, hey, folks, pay attention. I'm blowing the uh, alarm. Um, you're not listening. Mm. So that that's this is almost like, you know, an early warning from the divine. And, and you know, honestly, it's very preventable with awareness. You know, I think one of the things that you're going to see more and more is just a general awareness being raised. For example, my doorbell rang yesterday. UPS arrived. My son signed for a package, hands me the package, went right back to his computer. I said, did you wash your hands? Oops. Right? Mm. We need to be more aware of ourselves and how we carry ourselves and how we move through the world. Being present in the moment is how you do that. Isn't that kind of the foundation for awakening? Mm. On the other hand, your prophetic dream with souls rising from the earth, three ohms and, and uh, catastrophe, uh, says that there's possibly a, a limited time here as well. I interpreted that as, unfortunately, and it's hard to say it, I think a lot of people are going to die in this virus. I think, you know, Italy lost 800 people in one day. Um, New York City, as of yesterday, is doubling in confirmed cases every day. Or no, every two and a half days, it's doubling, right? So this is a very, very serious situation. People are going to die. A lot of people are going to die. You don't have to be one. Just be cautious, be careful, protect the loved ones, pay attention to the science, and we'll get through this. Once you've had the virus, chances are you've built antibodies and you're free. This is all about just moving into a new age and getting this introduced to the human species. What do you think our chances are for turning around the global warming? I think like any dark night of the soul that we will get through it at a great cost. <laughs> <laughs> Awakening comes through suffering often, right? I don't know how to describe it, but it just seems like you don't want suffering. Nobody wants suffering, but it can release you from the baggage sometimes to grow and develop and realize what really has value and importance. You know, like the Maslow hierarchy of need, you need air before you need water. <laughs> you know, without air, your water won't really matter. Without water, you know... Your finances and your stock portfolio won't really matter. We've hollowed out that pyramid. This is a reboot and a realignment of rebuilding that foundation. Mm. You know, there is one last thing I wanted to ask you about, and that was a forgiveness meditation you did where you envisioned billions of galaxies. Oh, yes, yes. That was my heart awakening experience many years ago. Yes, we've got a couple of minutes left. Maybe Perfect. you can tell us that That'd one. That would be a great wrap-up. So we are, uh, right now, particularly here in the U.S., I hate, I hate to get political, but you know, we're, we're being run by a bunch of narcissists. And you know, particularly if you've studied this at all on narcissistic abuse and narcissistic recovery, we're, we're all kind of you know, dealing with this now. This experience came out of dealing with past family issues and abuse issues and 
what happened during a meditation that was actually in a spiritual retreat was that spirit guide barged in and said, oh, you got this. You're doing this really well. But here's some extra juice for you. Can you forgive? Can you forgive everything? And I don't mean 99 with nine zeros. I mean 100%, period. Can you absolutely unconditionally forgive everything that's ever happened to you? Every wrong, every every slight. And I just had this thought of, I will do my best, right? And what happened was I was propelled. Something just, it was like a booster rocket kicked in. I was like sent off into the divine, literally. I ended up watching galaxies melt away. And I found myself in the void looking at a glowing astral embryo in front of me. It was the entire universe shrunk down. What happened out of that was I, I came out of that covered in tears and I was glowing in golden light for weeks. I can't describe it. I don't know if you call that enlightenment and awakening. It, it faded. It didn't last. I, I was pretty much normal <laughs> as anyone. But it was a really important lesson, I think, for all of us on how important forgiveness is, you know, particularly as we process all this grief of the changes we're going through. One of those stages is anger. And it, it's totally fine. You know, we have to process it and get through those stages. But when you get to acceptance of here's our new reality and our new world, and here's, you know, all the pluses and minuses, you got to forgive, you got to let it go, and you got to move on because it's like holding weights in your hands while you're trying to tread water. Those grievances, those gripes are just weighing you down, right? You will never soar without forgiveness. Yeah. And the world, the po political world at least, is so polarized these days that uh, perhaps that is another built-in lesson of COVID-19 is forgiveness, that we have I've to learn to forgive. I, I went to a hardware store the other day, and they were playing nasty talk radio bashing liberals and you know it's just it was unpleasant to be around and the the guy at the counter you know who obviously chose this channel i talked to him about what's going on his fear was no different than anyone else's you know he's like oh no no we you know he tried to deny it i could see his fear denial doesn't get you very far you know that this is upon us ignoring it isn't going to help. You just have to move through it because years from now, we're going to look back on this as a blessing. Just like I look back on my NDEs as a blessing, as I look on all these traumas as a blessing, is that's what shapes who you are. That's what creates greatness is this forge we call life. Well, Ken, I think we're once again out of time. Tell the audience again where they can find the apps you developed and by the way thank you so much for that for both android and ios and how they can reach you through those sure yeah it was a fun app i enjoyed building and so if you go to your ios app store or your google play app store and search for ians i-a-n-d-s n-d-e radio you'll find the app and at the bottom there's a link to contact the author so you can always get a hold of me through that. Oh, well, thank you so much. Uh, Ken, 
for sharing your story and for sharing your visions with us today. It's a pleasure. If any in the audience would like to listen to this show again, or if you missed uh, last week's, you should certainly go back and listen to the first part of our interview with Ken. Just go to our website at nderadio.org and be with us again next Monday. Join us every Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio. This is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening.